Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the MMA Gone Wild podcast. It's been a while, but I'm going to break down UFC 249 with my buddy Jacob Goebel today. Uh, we're going to talk about the main card. We're going to talk about the prelims. We're going to talk some politics. I don't really know where it's going to go. Also, make sure to check my Twitter very carefully. Today and tomorrow, I'm going to be posting some links with some promo codes for betting websites for those of you who want to put down some parlays, some straight bets, take some dogs on the card. So without further ado, here we go. I'm going to get Jacob on the line right now. How's it going? Very good, man. Thanks for making the time today. Uh, I know we've been planning on this for a while, but I think this is the most perfect card to finally get to talk fights with you on, man. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you for having me. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, and if it was Ferguson Khabib a little bit, it would have been uh, a little more hype, but I, mean, I think we still got the best next option. I mean, in my opinion, this is the most special card in UFC history just because of the circumstances, and it's the first card to... I mean, it's the first sports event in general to break through this whole quarantine that with this whole pandemic going on, this is the icebreaker here, and there's a lot on the line. And uh, the co-main is a great fight, and the the main event is a great fight, but more importantly, how it changes the politics of the sport, the outcome of both those fights. I mean, if this if this is not the most pivotal card in UFC political history, it's one of the top few. I think there's a lot of pressure on Dominic Cruz and Henry Cejudo both going into this fight. And then, obviously, the outcome of Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson can put to rest a six- or seven-year making of Khabib versus Ferguson that we've all been waiting for. I don't, I don't, even, know, I don't even know how the UFC community is going to continue forward <laughs> just putting that to rest. You know, it's just... Anyway. I feel like it's stuck, pretty much. You know, I feel like people are so stuck on watching. And uh, I remember back, I was in, I was in college in like 2014 when they're going to fight in uh, Tampa Bay. And I was so excited. That was the first time I got canceled. And uh, and then since then, it's just been it's been terrible. But I couldn't agree more with you that this is a pretty pivotal card. I think it's the most eyes that will be on a UFC event, you know, because of the pandemic and those sports. You got a lot of people that are going to want to do something on a Saturday and, and watch something. So I think it's. It's going to be big time that these people show up and really put on a good card. Um, the main event, I think, will be completely fine. Uh, I think that's going to be two crazy people just going at it. Uh, but, yeah, I think Cejudo and Cruz have a, lot of, have a lot of pressure, too, just on, you know, being in a co-main event, Cruz being gone for three three years. Um, but you got a lot of good fighters on this card because they'll be trying to get their fights in, you know, because they don't know when they'll fight next. So it's a huge card. That's a really good point, too. That's a really good point. I was checking out the card today, and I noticed that Nico Price versus Vicente Luke is considered the early prelims. I know that's what I was looking at too. Today. Uh, that that was the last time early prelims, and even uh, I liked the, the Bryce Mitchell matchup. Uh, he was probably the last Ultimate Fighter that I watched. He was on that one, and I liked him. And then obviously uh, he just pulled off the second twister ever in UFC, so he's been getting some buzz. And uh, for that to be an early prelim. That's pretty. It's pretty crazy. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for this card. Uh, I think the prelims are going to kill it. Uh, I, I think for having Verdum on this card uh, was kind of like a, a back end, kind of like a secret thing. Nobody even knew Verdum was coming back. Really, uh, I haven't even heard about him forever because he's suspended for so long. Well, I think this is the perfect matchup for him, and I'm a huge Olenek fan. He's actually one of my favorite fighters, and I've made a lot of money on Olenek. 
I just yeah. <laughs> and we'll we'll get to the we'll get to that fight specifically, uh, Verdum versus Olenek to break it down. But um, I do yeah. I do really like Verdum's chances in this fight. I think it's a perfect comeback fight for Verdum and a perfect opportunity for him to get his hand raised. I'm just pulling up the betting odds here right now. So we I don't know how into the odds are you. Yeah, I'm. Uh, my friends will hear this a laugh. I'm, I've been a gambling man in my life before. Uh, I definitely, I definitely like some odds. So uh, I was trying to look at odds today too, and I couldn't really find many uh, on them. All right, let's see. I'm pulling them up right now. Cause I was trying to see what uh, Cruz and uh, Cejudo were. Cause I want to see if uh, I feel like Cejudo's going to be the favorite in that fight. And so I, I like, I like Cruz as an underdog if he's an underdog in that fight. So I was trying to find that, but. Well, so I have um, two of my sponsors. I actually have mybookie.ag, and they have the odds mm-hmm. up right now where I just pulled them up. It looks like Dominic Cruz is a plus 195 versus Cejudo, who's wow. a minus 235. So two to one. On yeah, that's a lot of value. It's a lot of value. It uh, is. Because I was looking at, I, was looking at the, um, I honestly thought that Cruz had a longer reach uh, advantage than he did. I saw today it was 68-64. Which is not that big of an advantage of reach, right. you know, four inches to the four inches. But I thought Sudo had a lot shorter of a reach, but for a small guy, it's pretty, pretty decent uh, reach. So I think it's just can he find him? Can he hit him? That's that's his biggest problem. And so two to one value on a, on a guy that doesn't hit that much is, uh, man, that's that's enticing. Yeah, 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 and we'll get there too. I want to start a little bit lower on the card. Um, you Let's did you did bring up Bryce Mitchell and uh, Charles or Charles Rosa, so. Let's start. Let's start there. What What are your thoughts on it, man? So Charles Rosa, I've never really even uh, seen five. I've seen a few highlights, but uh, Bryce Mitchell, I like. Uh, like I said, I watched the Ultimate Fire that he was on, and he looked good. Uh, and then I saw that the fight that he, that he did pull the twister off, and uh, and then he's good on the mic too. I like people that are good on the mic. They, when they get after it on the mic after, uh, I like guys that like go after it. So. I'm excited to see who gets goes down this fight. I want to see Rosa. I've never seen him fight. I've only heard good things though, but I'm definitely rooting for Mitchell on this one. Cool, me too. I feel exactly the same way. Um, I got Bryce Mitchell by decision. He's a minus one seventy versus Charles Rosa, who's a plus one forty. So, pretty close odds. Yeah, yeah that's that's gonna be a close fight, I think. And yeah. um, I think because his uh, Mitchell's last fight was the Twister, right? He's come just coming off that fight. I right? believe so. Yeah. So that's a lot. I mean, sometimes these guys, when they're when they're just starting off, because, you know, I think his record is only like eight or nine or no, it's pretty low. Um, I feel like they have a lot of pressure to kind of back that up after, you know. So now you right. got a guy just has this huge finish. You know, how do you really back that up again? How do you really go go better than that? So, and he's undefeated, uh, too. So. Yeah. So I, we're yeah, both I'm probably going with, Pri- with Bryce on this one, though, right? Giving him the benefit of the doubt yeah. here? Yeah, yeah. We're both going Bryce on this one, for sure. Cool. Um, the next fight, it's Vicente Luque versus Nico Price. So Vicente Luque minus 300 versus Nico Price plus 240. They have fought once before, and Vicente uh, was able to lock in the submission. Oh, yeah, because I remember Nico in the last fight uh, was been calling for this rematch because he's had a, a couple fights before then. Nico has just been in this place where I feel like he keeps going down the cards and he has some crazy finish. Is that two from the bottom? And, uh, and then one standing that too, and so I, I think uh, I think Luke is boxing man. When he sits in that pocket, uh, he's he's dangerous. You know, I, I saw him fight uh, Bamaram or, or that, that really tough guy with the, with the beard and uh, 
Barberini, yeah. yeah. He never gets finished pretty much. You know, he, he put him down pretty pretty simple and so he's been on a streak. Um, but then obviously his last fight he stepped up a competition, had a little step, uh, slip up. But I think I Luke in this fight too, I think. Uh, I just think yeah. Nico's had some fights where um he's came back and it's been a little little lucky, but it's been cool. But I think uh, right. so you know, like I, I try to do my breakdowns as honest as possible, regardless of who I have rapport with. And I've never mm-hmm. once in my life spoken to Luke, but I've had Nico Price on the on the podcast before. I love the guy; mm-hmm. he's a sweet, really sweet guy. And again, I'm with you on that. Like I think he has some great finishes, but stylistically wise, and just you know, going with my. Whatever knowledge I have on this sport, when I identify with these two fighters, I see Luke finishing it the same way he did the first time. Um, mm-hmm. It's just the matchup. It's nothing against Price. Price has the ability to finish some of the top guys in the world, but I think Luke is a little bit more clean with the striking, um, which makes all the difference. You know, you could ha- you could throw bombs, you could throw a lot of power in your punches, but if you have the guy who throws the more crisp shots and is willing to stay in the pocket and find the right opportunities um you're more likely going to be successful than the guy who can throw really hard punches but isn't landing on you as often and we kind of saw how that went down against jeff neal and nico price um that was that was a war but but neal was able to get the best of him just because of the little bit cleaner of striking um i don't know if if luke is gonna get the knockout he can but i think it goes to the ground um, that's another place where we've seen some weaknesses from Price is on the ground. I mean, James Vick even had Price flat on his back. Yeah, and uh, I mean, James Vick is coming up from one fifty-five. Yeah. So well, I think I think you're right. I think Luke Luke has, has straight shots. He doesn't loop his punches. Right, they're pretty they're pretty quick. They're quick and they're powerful, mm-hmm. and so they're going to get there fast. Where I think Nico, he's going to bring some power. He's, they're going to loop probably. He's going to be a lot slower. I just think sometimes it's just the first one of the punch. Right. And uh, so yeah, I agree. And then if it goes to the ground, I think Nico has been on his back a lot. And he gets stuck on his back, you know. And I think right. it's big to be able to go off your back. That's why these champions, you know, they, they pop right back up usually. You don't see a champion; it's just like lays there. So exactly, that's a big thing. Vicente Luque is your pick. Yeah, yeah, I'm going cool. with that one All for right, sure me too, man. Um, this next matchup, I <laughs> am so torn on it. I have no idea <laughs> who's going to take it. Uriah Hall and uh, Jacare Souza. Mm-hmm. So we have. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, Jacques, I'm a big Jacare fan. Me too. I'm a big Jacare fan. Well, so Jacare is uh, here on the his betting odds minus 125, and Uriah Hall's even money. Yeah, they're close on the odds too. I mean, Jacare has let me down a lot of fights. I think one time I took him, I took him in the Romero fight when uh, Romero rocked the hell out of him in the first round, and then they, the, the Romero let him off pretty much, and uh, Susan almost came back and won that in split decision. But uh, yeah, so Susan, I was like, man, he just like shows up sometimes, and other times he's off. So, yeah, I had him to, uh, to I'm be curious with to see him. Too. Yeah, and that's, I'm curious to see how he goes against Hall and, and Hall's striking and if you can keep his distance you know i think susan's obviously gonna try to grapple and hall's an obvious try to strike that's pretty obvious in this one uh but i just feel like grappler is usually in the grappler versus striker it's usually the grappler that's going to take uh the fight um unless unless the, the striker keeps his distance uh pretty well but mm-hmm. i think if, if susan grabs onto him uh he's a dangerous guy he gets on top of you his jujitsu is is amazing and then he has good ground and pound on top of that so i feel like he usually sets up his submissions with that ground and pound 
and then try to really get you in that guillotine, and it's over from there. And I like that Are breakdown. I, I like that breakdown a lot. If Hall does land clean, obviously, it could be over just like that on one shot. Yeah. Um, but I mm-hmm. do see this playing out how the normal striker versus grappler fight goes. I think I'm going to take Jacques Ray. Yeah, I just think it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard for a, a striker, especially like Hall, right? Because he likes his spinning techniques, he likes his kicks, and he's a little more acrobatic. And so I feel like I see that. You see this with Edson Barbosa, right? Is where they're acrobatic, so they need their space to get off their shots. And they, when they fight guys that are that are aggressive and up in their face, um, it just really puts the pressure on them and it makes it tough. But if they do land and you're coming forward, you'll feel it more. But the problem is usually they they close that distance, doesn't connect as well, and now you're open. For that you know that clinch and then once it gets you in that clinch they're pretty i mean susan's pretty strong in that clinch so he's gonna try to drag you down and i said geeting uh geeting earlier. i met rear naked though is what he loves but so yeah i got i got susan in this one nice man well said well said uh the next one here i never bet on women's fights neither uh, i've learned the hard <laughs> way many a time from this so uh, but we could we could just kind of give it a quick rundown. Uh, Michelle Waterson and Carla Esparza. We got Waterson at plus one twenty five, Esparza at minus one fifty five. Yes, I think uh, Esparza. I know just from I think if I remember correctly, she was the first uh, strawweight title fight with Jurjacek. So that's I mean after that, I feel like she's just kind of in the top ten. Obviously, in the sport was just starting for the women and stuff. And I feel like she's she has a decent stand up. Uh, from what I remember, and, and mostly a grappler. But I like Michelle Watterson. I think she's a badass. I like the karate girl, and uh, so I'm rooting for her at least. I, I don't really, I don't really watch the sports that much. So I'm curious to see how she is. Watson, I've seen a lot. Um, and so yeah, I have Watterson on this one for sure. Yeah, I think my heart's with Watterson here too. Um, but if yeah. I had to, if I had to really go with my gut here, I feel Esparza just has a little bit more of that dog in her. Mm-hmm. You know the the motherly instinct in Waterson too, like that that brings the dog out in a lot of these women fighters too when they're moms. But True. given the circumstances with like the pandemic and everything going on, I feel like who has been more focused on themselves has probably been Esparza yeah. versus Waterson has been more focused on like her and her family during this time. Um, That's a good point. I could be completely wrong, but I think Esparza edges her just a little bit there, but I am heavily rooting for Waterson because I like her too. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Uh, yeah, she has she has more things to focus on. Where Esparza kind of just focused straight in, and uh, I think if Esparza does grapple with her, I think she'll get the win. But if she tries to stand and trade with her, like she did Jay Check, I think she's gonna have problems. So that's why I'm curious to see what her game plan will be on this one. Well, she's a smart a smart girl. She's a smart fighter. So. Yeah. I would expect to see the one of the best performances we've seen by Esparza in this uh, in this fight tomorrow. I hope so. Personally, yeah. Um, on to the next one. This is the one, yeah, I was excited to talk about this one. Verdum, like, Verdum like. and Ol- Olenek. So Verdum is a minus 345 here, and Olenek is a plus wow. 270. But it makes sense for me, these odds. Yeah, I think it does because I think... Even though everybody, I think it's one of these one of those fights, right, where you see and you expect two guys to grapple or wrestle. I, I, okay, it's so like Usman and Covington, right? You expect these two guys to wrestle the both wrestlers. They didn't wrestle one time, you know, because it's like strength for strength. And so I think this is how this will play, where it's two grapplers going at it. Uh, they both know they can grapple. So I think for Doom, 
knows she can outstrike him standing up. I think that's what he thinks he's going to go for. And so I think they're going to just get, stay standing up. Purdue's going to go for the knockout. Um, and so I'm curious to see if they do grapple or not. I really am. Uh, I think if they do stand up and strike, I give it to Purdue. And then, uh, you know, Olenek, if he goes in for that, you know, I'm getting worked on the feet, that bad takedown. We all know how good Verdum's guillotine is. That thing is so tight. Once you lock that thing in, it's over with pretty much. So I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. Yeah, I, it's it's very close when I see it going to the ground. But if I kind of just do a simulation in my head, I see if it does go in the ground, they both get back up to their feet really quick. I think Verdum's really yep. he's really good at setting the pace for fights. And um, yep. I just think we're going to see a more explosive, a little bit more powerful uh, fighter in Verdum. I don't, I don't really like this matchup for Olenek much. I think he's just a little too slow for Verdum, and uh, he's not going to have much opportunity to implement his ground game here. So I would expect to see yep. Verdum either by a, a late TKO or a mm-hmm. unanimous decision. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, Verdum has good sweeps, too. And so I think it's hard to even implement that uh, ground game on him. Right. He's able to really just get up, like you said, and get around where he'll set something up. You think you're really going for submission, but he's just trying to get up, you know. And so uh, I agree. I think Olympic will slow down and Verdum will keep pushing the pace. Uh, I see Verdum having this one. Yep. Uh, man, the next one. So this one I'm I'm really torn on, too. Greg Hardy at minus 215 and Jorgen DeCastro at plus 175. I'll let you start. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, man, I'm not really the biggest Hardy fan, you know, so, uh, but I did, I did at least give him respect for stepping up against Volkov. I mean, that was, that was a pretty gnarly, uh, late no to step in fight. I think he had a lot of experience off of that. But, uh, man, I think he's going against his first, like, real, experienced power puncher. You know, Volkov's a guy, you know, he's, he's a very technical fighter. He's not like the heaviest puncher in, in the heavyweight by any means, you know. So, uh, I think it's the first time where it's like, now he's going to be tested. That chin will be tested. Um, I think everybody said about Juan Adams, too, and Juan Adams didn't show up. Sorry, Juan Adams, if you listen to this. Um, but I think DeCastro, uh, for sure, uh, I have to have DeCastro by knockout. I think he's going to catch him in the, probably the second round for me. I think the first round will be super timid. And then it's like around, I'll come out and it'll push space more. Yeah, so that was actually my original pick too. I had DeCastro by KO. And, um, you know, the more I thought about it and the more I tried to be realistic, and I think Hardy's too smart to go in there and brawl with DeCastro. I think he's going to mm-hmm. wrestle his ass off. I really do. I think from yeah. the second the bell, the bell goes off, we're going to see Hardy shoot for single legs, double legs, just try to get Hardy with his back against the cage. I honestly don't think this is going to be one of those... Um, it's not going to be an Nganu-Rosenstruck-type heavyweight fight. Yeah, where they're just swinging. Right, I think this is going to be more of like a... Let me try to control you for 15 minutes and secure the dub. So, yeah, I think I'm going to take Hardy by decision on this one. If it, if it goes that way, I think this definitely is for Hardy, right? I think, uh, I think if he does use his wrestling, I think... Uh, I'm curious to see then why he pushed. That's not if DeCastro makes him work. At least I'm curious to see how much he has in the tank, right? And right, see if right. He can actually keep that pace up. And if DeCastro just lays there, then these guys can rest and he'll go to 15. So I, that's why there's a couple of these fights where it's like you see the matchups, but it's like okay, what's their game plan though? Because the game plan will completely change how these fights go. So yeah, right. I, and I like there's a lot that. of variables too. I mean, uh, Hardy has asthma. 
and we saw how his yeah. cardio has played out in the past. And yeah. So for him to try to, you know, really wrestle DeCastro for 15 minutes on half a tank, if that, like, I don't know, it, it yeah. might not be doable for him. He might be able to wrestle him for, for 10 minutes and then get clipped in this 12th minute, so. Yeah, I, I think if he can, uh, if he can at least wrestle the first 10, I think he's still going to at least sit standing up. The power will be taken away from the cast. So I feel like if you gas him a little bit, and so then you just hope you don't get clipped by some crazy right, shot. Right, right, right. That's see a very coming. good point. So with heavyweights, you just want to avoid that first round. So if you can wrestle with him for the first round, maybe second, like half of the second round, I think you're good. But uh, yeah, I don't think there'll be any inhaler use on on this uh, on <laughs> no this uh, this one. <laughs> so uh, getting to Cowboy versus Pettis, um, the line is really close here. Pettis is a minus one forty-five, and Cerrone's a plus one fifteen. And, uh, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about the first fight and how Pettis finished him. I think he, he finished him by TKO. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a leg kick to the body. Yeah, yeah. So, listen, Cerrone has fought 26 times since then. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of experience there. And uh, you can say that it's it's bad experience. Like he took damage during those 26 fights, but I think Cerrone has sharpened his tools since then. And I don't want to look past Cerrone because his performance against McGregor. Um, I, I still yeah, think no. Cerrone is very much a fighter. And I think he's still very much able to compete with the best guys in the world. When I see this fight play out, I feel Cerrone is going to take some hard shots to the body. I think, um, but I think Cerrone's going to be a little bit quicker with his shots, and I think he's going to go for a KO. Uh, I think he has a lot to prove after the McGregor fight. Um, a lot of the doubters, a lot of people have been talking shit to him the last few months. Yeah, um, I think <laughs> yeah. he's ready to really to really put put it all out there this time. So uh, I'm taking Cowboy. Yeah, man, I'm I'm I'll probably get a lot of slack for this, but this is a fight I'm not. I don't know. It's not hasn't spiced me up really, right? So it should though. That's the rematch and throw back at two old uh, old timers. But um, I, I think for me, you know, sometimes I just feel like the outcome of a fight, right? It, did, it doesn't how you how you won sometimes can't be changed. So I feel like for me, if I'm comparing it to Skipe and, and Cormier, right, that body shot changed the whole complex of the fight. And so I'm curious, like, okay, how would DC counter that? So I'm curious how Cerrone's now going to counter body shots because he's been finished by the body, I think, three times in his career, right? Right. And so that scares me, that Pettis is really good at mixing it up. And so when people get finished the body like that, I just don't see Pettis not using that to his advantage again. But sometimes, you know, when it's been this long, like you said, 26 fights later, Pettis might just say, screw it, and just, and just head uh, headhunt. And so I think if he headhunts, I have Cerrone in this too. But if he does what he did before and mix it up and goes to that body, I just don't see... Cerrone's body uh, standing up to it. I, I just don't. I think he's kind of weak to the body sometimes, and if you connect the right way, uh, he really doesn't like it. It kind of throws off his ball game. So, well, do but you think, Cerrone on short notice is is good. Do you think that this fight being at one seventy changes anything about that that whole body shot you're talking about? I think it does. I think, I think it definitely puts. I mean, you get a little more padding and weight. You, know, you can't. You definitely can't say it won't affect anything. You know, you get a little more of that padding and weight. You definitely absorb more shots just in chin and, and headwise too. I feel like you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and these guys with gas tanks, they fought for so long. I don't see that extra 15 pounds would be a problem. They bounce between two divisions, uh, lightweight and welterweight like crazy. That is a good point. I do have Cerrone though. I think Cerrone's going to come on him fast, 
and just put the pressure on him. And I think Pettis, uh, I, still, I still think with Pettis lately, it's just he's not going with game plans. You know, I think a game plan here would just be work the body. And I feel like he's going to headhunt. Both of them right. want the knockout. They really want to, like, put on the show. And I think the, the show, putting on the show is going to override that game plan. And so I have Cerrone, too, on this one. Yeah, so I'm curious for sure. Um, this next one, man. This this one I'm looking forward to. Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater. Yeah. So um, yeah. Stephens, uh, he weighed in at one fifty point five, so four and a half yeah, pounds over the limit. Five. But the fight is still happening. He's just gonna have to give some of his purse to Cater. Um, so mm-hmm. Cater's a minus two sixty here with Stephens at plus two hundred, and um, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong here, but. I'm pretty sure that fighters who missed weight win fights about 70% of the time, if not yeah, more. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think the record I last heard was guys were like 22-2 in a draw. They're like 22-2 and two or something like that, or some crazy stats. So I was just going to say that value right there. I, even though I think Katara uh, will win, uh, I think that value, though, betting-wise, you can't miss that. Right. So, you know, numbers don't lie sometimes. I would say if you're going to bet straight, bet on uh, Stephens at plus 200. But if you're looking to parlay on this event at all, I'd throw Cater on there. Yep. Yep. 100%. I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, do I see Cater, his boxing's a little bit too clean, a little bit too sharp. He's developing more Ooh. power every time he fights. Uh, I only see. The sky is the limit for Cater here. I'd like to see him get a title shot within the next year. I, I agree. I think he's crisper, more technical. I think he'll beat Stevens to the punch. And uh, sometimes I think Steven just like uh, he headhunts. And so uh, if you just circle away from that right hand, right, if you circle to that left hand, I just feel like sometimes he just he's just chasing you down. And then his shots are predictable. It's that one big overhand right, walking right into it. And then how many times do you see him crashing the cage and stuff? You know, he throws it, just bounce off the cage, and he's walking down again so um i think he's gonna walk in at some shots and uh i think yeah i think he'll be crisp on this one his boxing is better like you said his power is just getting better and better i think he's a sleeper in the division especially if uh man if Hollywood doesn't get that shot again and and volkanovsky is the champion still i think man i think he can really step up and uh and take that title that's so, a good matchup for him i think so remember when stefan's fought duhu Choi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very similar matchup to this one here. I feel Cater, yeah. uh, his boxing is very similar to Duhu Choi, who doesn't necessarily throw as much power, but his his striking was so clean, he was knocking people out every fight. And so yeah. I actually had Duhu Choi beating Steffens. That was my pick. And we saw what happened there. Steffens knocked him out bad. And he also got yeah, a clean knockout against uh, Josh Emmett, too. Yeah, yeah. And then, what, what was his last fight, though? Was it, was it against the beat? Oh, no, it was against Yair. He just fought Yair. Right. And uh, and Yair's tough, too, you know what I mean? Because it had all contraries to the eye. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think Yair's, Yair's tough with the kick. So, I think, yeah, if, if Stevens can close distance and he lands on you, he'll knock anybody out of that division. You know, that's just something you can't really – that's just something nobody really knows. It's just can right. – it's just can – Qatar keep that distance, you know, and really, uh, and really box him and stay technical. If he gets into a brawl, like he starts swinging and looping, it might be a long night for him. He might get knocked out. If he keeps it technical and straight, I think he'll be all right. Which is why I think this fight is the only fight on the card, honestly, that I would say might be worth betting straight and parlaying. 
you know, yeah, just because yeah. there is value on both sides. And, um, yeah, as we discussed, like, both of these guys can get it done, and there's value for different reasons on both guys here. Yeah, I think that, that missing weight stat, I mean, this numbers don't lie. You know, it's just it's, it's real. Right, so it just I think they'll figure out a way to, to, to help that, uh, to fix that. You know, the numbers mm-hmm. are proving that they got to do something more than just taking, you know, 20, 30% of your purse. Right, I agree completely. On to the next one. So it's Rosenstruck versus Ngannou. So Rosenstruck's plus 205, and Ngannou is a minus 265 here. I'll let you start this one, too. Yeah, so, I mean, I think everybody's easy pick, right, is Ngannou. But I just think, I, I don't, I don't know. I think what scares me with Ngannou is the Derek Lewis fight, right? I mean, these guys come out and they throw two leg kicks, and that's the highlight of the fight, you know? So it's like, I, I don't. It's which Ngannou is going to show up. The guy that's going to pressure him to be in your face and swing, or is he going to be tentative? And and so I think this one's really torn me back and forth. And I, I don't know why. My gut, something told me that Rosenstrike's just going to, it just doesn't seem scary. He's going to go forward. And I'm just curious to see if Ngannou goes backwards and how he is, because you know he has enough power going backwards, but is he comfortable like that? So I think I'm going Rosenstrike on this fight. And I think he's going to put put the pressure on him and be in his face. Um, but it's just if Ngannou lands, it's lights out. <laughs> That's it. So are you taking Rosenstruck by decision? No, I, I, yeah, but I think he, I think he's just gonna try to gas out Ngannou pretty much. In, in a three in a three round fight, uh, I think he's just gonna push the pace, beat him, and I think they're I think they're gonna surprise and try to clinch a little bit more and really try to slow it down. Rosenstruck by decision <laughs> is plus seven hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said maybe I put some value on it. Yeah. I think I think an easy pick is that Ngannou's going to get knocked out, but I think I have a, I have a really scary feeling of the, of the Derek Lewis Ngannou matchup. I think it's just going to go the same way. I don't know why, but I have some weird feeling of Ngannou when you go against another power puncher. It's just weird, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, my gut kind of tells me that this fight's going to look a lot like Lewis, um, Lewis versus Ngannou. As you said, like it's just two guys respecting each other's power. Don't want to get. Mm-hmm. Don't want to get caught. There's a lot of the li- on the line. Um, Rosenstruck's undefeated, and Ngannou, I mean, he lost that that decision to Lewis, but then he lost to uh, to Stipe. But other than that, he's looked amazing. Yeah. Um, I do think Ngannou's chances of getting the KO are obviously favored, but I do see a mm-hmm. world in which Rosenstruck can use his kickboxing pedigree to fight a smart fight and take this fight to decision. So. I would say uh, Rosenstruck by decision is where my gut actually lands first. But if Ngannou catches him in like the first or second round, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just it's over. <laughs> for uh, for Rosenstruck to get that, I mean, he threw his whole right hand with his whole body behind it like a he threw that like a baseball at Overeem's face and couldn't yeah. and like still couldn't knock the, him out. Off the canvas, you know, right. Like, that's what worried me. He jumped out the canvas, split his lip. I mean, that was with, what, five seconds left? So, yeah, that's weird that we both have decisions on that. It's plus 700. Maybe we, maybe we can make some good money on Saturday. But, yeah, yeah whoever's I, listening. I, that fight is really, that fight's really pulling me uh, both ways for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. So, Cruz and Cejudo. Um, yeah, Cruz plus 195 and Cejudo minus 235. Yeah, I think so. For this one, I think, uh, I, like I said, I, I'm cruising this. I just think uh, it's a guy. It's hard to get hard to get hit, right? 
I think Suhuda reminds me a lot of Faber. I think Cruz matched up well with Faber. You know, Suhuda has, has decent power, uh, but he's more of a wrestler. And Cruz's wrestling is like really underrated. And uh, he's not a guy you keep down. You know, you've seen that with when he fought Faber or TJ or whoever he fought. You know, it's not a guy you can keep down. Uh, if you're going to beat him, only time he's really lost when he fought Garbrandt, and Garbrandt just outstruck him. You know, and so you got to be able to find him. And I think his his style, man, it's switching stances, switching his feet all the time. You know, it looks like he's like run around. It's it's hard to deal with. And so uh, if Cejudo can take him down, then I think there's there's a, a good chance he wins. But I just don't see a world in which Cejudo wins. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm crazy, but I'm I'm like not. I'm seeing this as a terrible matchup. So I'm surprised he called him out. To be honest. Yeah, so I kind of see it very similar to you. Um, I think Cruz, he's too elusive. His his wrestling background, not many people talk about it, but that's where he started. That was his foundation. Yeah, exactly. And uh, his his takedown defense is incredible. Um, I mean, this was a while ago, but he beat Demetrius Johnson too. So, yeah, yeah, that was when uh, there was no flyweight division. Right, right. So when I see this fight playing out, I see... I don't think Cejudo is necessarily going to even try to get Cruz on his back. I think these are both two really intelligent guys. And although Cejudo tries to play the heel the way he does and it works, um, I don't think he's stupid at all. And I think no, no. I think his game plan would be similar to how I see Khabib's game plan against Ferguson if that fight ever happens. Um, I think it's just going to be a lot of clinching and pressure on the cage. I don't necessarily see yep. the... I don't see Cejudo or Khabib trying to take the fight to the ground. I think it's just going to be trying to get a lot of pressure on the cage and you're trying to fight off submissions while fighting the takedown at the same time. That's going to be a huge problem for Cruz because I feel like that's not impossible for Cejudo to do to Cruz. And also we've seen like, I don't know if you've seen pictures lately, but Cejudo's completely changed his body in the last few months. Packed on a lot more muscle. Yeah, wow. he's he's looking like he's in incredible shape. Um, I don't know if it's his nutrition or strength and conditioning, but he looks like the best he's ever looked in his life, and I think he takes this very seriously, and I don't think he looks past Cruz. Um, I think I think Cejudo might be able to, to get it done, if not win the first like two to two and a half rounds. Um, but if we can just see Cruz do what he does best in 25-minute fights and stay light on his feet, and hopefully he has no injuries coming in this fight. Uh, he should be very elusive, and he should be able to kind of touch and go. And um, I don't think anyone's going to get knocked out here unless unless Cejudo gets it done very early, very early. It's not going to be like a late TKO. It would have to be like Cejudo first-round TKO um, yep. or Cruz by split decision. Yeah, I think I think it'd be if it's gonna be knockout. I agree. It'd be Cejudo early by like a looping punch. You know, where Cruz is just doing his little dance. He's trying to circle out, and he just got caught by a looper. But I, I don't. I'd be like more of a TKO. But I, I like how you compare it to the Khabib Ferguson actually, because I think that I think you're right. You know, I think it's I think Cejudo and Khabib would be smart in that situation, right? Where they don't want to try to take them down because now they're gassing their gas tank, right? Mm-hmm. They they might just want to clinch there and do a little damage and point fight. And I think that's where Sudo, if he goes in this fight, just tell himself, look, man, let's game plan it and point fight this. I think he has a chance to win. But if he's going for the finish and he's trying to like really stand and trade, uh, I think he's going to have trouble there finding him. And I think with Cruz, you just got to accept you got to point fight sometimes. And that, that finish is, it's hard to find with him. And so I think, yeah, if he plays that cage game, 
just rides him on the cage and, and really just tries to get those points and at least tie him out a little bit without trying to take him down and gas himself. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see. I think you'll see Cejudo's hand raised for sure. Well, what uh, I love I about first. what I love about Cejudo though is like he's able to reinvent himself for every fight. Like he can yep. completely change his style depending on who he's fighting. Um, like re- remember when he fought Sergio Pettis and he came in with that like long karate style. Yeah, yeah. Stri- like, yeah. and then he comes he's in a low, low stance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he he's very intelligent when it comes to inventing, like reinventing himself to match up well with a certain guy. And I I think people look past that. That's such a strong attribute to have as a fighter. And Cruz looks the same in every fight, but it works. What he yep. does. Yeah. So I think um, I think Cejudo probably put together a really good game plan. For Cruz and I'm just excited to see how he shows up. Me too. I think I think this is going to be one of those fights, man, where it has a chance to be one of those really good fights, but also the chance to be one of those. Damn, this is not. This is kind of a boring fight. But right. I mean, for me, I I don't really get that bored of fights. I mean, there's some fights that are boring, but like it's just a style, stylistic. It's just it is what it is. You know, you, you can't expect these guys to walk into punches and, and just throw themselves when there's tiles on the line. So I'm curious to see how this one plays out. And so on to the main event here. Uh, Justin Gaethje, KO or TKO is plus one sixty. I think I thought you like plus one fifty or plus one forty last I saw. Well, that's weird. So maybe it's just my bookies having a glitch. But so Justin Gaethje straight is plus one sixty five, but Justin Gaethje by KO is plus one sixty. So they got to fix that. <laughs> yeah, that seems like that seems weird. I mean, I think they can see it uh, going decision maybe a little bit. So maybe that it's kind of. That is kind of odd, though, but, yeah, I thought, I mean, I think just value-wise, Gaethje's Gage the bet here, but I think, uh, I think like we said earlier, if you're going to parlay this, I'll probably put Ferguson, but this matchup, man, I've been going back and forth. I, I really don't know who to choose, so I'm curious to see who you got, to be honest with you, because uh, this is t- this is torn at me. I'm curious to see what what you have as your as your ways to win the fight and how you see it playing out. Well, so I'll start just by saying that I will never bet against Ferguson. I can't. I've counted him out too many times. Like there, I I remember I bet on RDA to beat Ferguson. Um, yeah. I think I even bet on Cowboy to beat Ferguson. Like there's many fights where I took, yeah. I took the other guy and I ended up really regretting it. Ten minutes yeah. in, five minutes. Like you, you'll notice the seven minute mark that. Those guys yeah. just do not yeah. want to be in there anymore. They're like, what the hell did mm-hmm. I sign up for? He turns it up. Right. And I think, uh, you know, Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier have been able to best Justin Gaethje. And it's either with ridiculous looping power strikes and just kind of brawling the way uh, Gaethje does or really mm-hmm. clean, precise, powerful boxing the way Poirier does. And yep. I don't think Ferguson has any of those attributes. I don't think he's a he's a super clean technical striker and I also don't think that he's like this uh, ridiculous power puncher brawler. But what I do like about Ferguson is that he's so creative and that he has so much cardio that he's able to try really ridiculous things in there and not gas out and not even worry about it. And he he will try something even one time in practice or maybe never tried it in practice, but it was an idea he had in his head and he will implement it in the in the octagon with all the pressure and the spotlights and the viewer. Like he he doesn't feel pressure. 
And I feel no, like that, and, and you know, um, not saying that Justin Gaethje feels pressure, but I think we're going to, every fight, we're going to see the best version of Ferguson. And the way I see it going is, okay, Gaethje's going to hit him. Um, that's yeah. without a doubt. Ferguson's going to get hit, but I think Ferguson will be able to take the damage. Um, I think he'll be able to threaten probably a lot of submissions against the cage too um i think he's going to be able to put a lot of pressure on gaethje whereas gaethje is normally the forward pressure guy i think these two guys are going to meet in the middle and it's going to end up with gaethje kind of moving back when he starts seeing like spinning elbows coming from weird angles that no guy has thrown at him before um and then it's just the ridiculous the ridiculous submissions that ferguson can come up with so my gut tells me that it's going to be um, a lot a lot of hits taken by Gaethje, but with not a lot of power, but a lot of sharp shots. So I think Ferguson's going to land a lot of elbows. Um, he's going to land a lot of shots to the body. Um, Fergus, or Gaethje's going to land some hooks to the body, too. He's going to go after the body. He's going to go after the leg from the opening bell. Yep. Um, yep, legs, too. Ton of, sure. ton of leg kicks, but I just can't see... Ferguson not getting a Darson by round four. Yeah, his Darson is, is ridiculous. Uh, he hides it well too, and that's what they say. You know, uh, his, his coaches say that that Darson is just, he's mastered it. You know, right. there's being good at him and there's mastering it. He can do it from any angle, and so I, I think for me it's it's tough when you know I feel like for us it's tough when you've seen the Gaethje fight a Poirier or Alvarez right and you see him kind of like, even Michael Johnson when he beat him towards the end he was like gassing you know he got he kept getting hit and so you it's hard to like forget that you know you, and, and remember these last just three fights because they've ended so fast pretty much and so that's what that's what makes me nervous is that Ferguson's going to come forward and put that pace on and when, when Gaethje starts getting tired he really just throws his punches out there and they're sloppy. They're not, they're not technical. They don't have much behind them. They're just trying to land on you, you know? Right. And so I think when he gets tired, he starts like leaning forward and almost like wants to fall by himself. You know what I mean? So if this gets to the ground, if he gets that to the ground, I think you're right. I, I would probably call a fourth round or a third round, uh, TKO submission by Ferguson. I think the TKO won't be by a shot. It was just by like a bunch of shots and, and Gaethje's covers up and it'd be over. And then, or a submission just being like a darts, like you said, or uh, an arm, like an arm try, like a head and arm choke from side control, like something like that, where he'll mm-hmm. be on top or, or like or control from that way. And so, I think if Gaethje's going to do it, it has to be in the first two rounds and really catch him. And I just don't see Ferguson walking into a shot like that, you know, right away. He's smart. He comes from weird angles. Uh, and when he gets rocked, he's almost like, he kind of reminds me of Chris Levin, you know? Like, Chris Levin used to get rocked to be a robot and just walk forward, you know? And exactly. So I think, and I think he gets, like, he gets rocked and he's like, okay, now I'm going to fight. And then he just pushes forward and, like, the other guy gets so confused. I'm like, how is a zombie just still walking me down? Dude, right. I just my exactly, best shot. Exactly. And it gets in your head. And so I think I have Ferguson, too, um, uh, by, like, a third or fourth round towards the end. And I think it's going to be a hell of a fight, though. I mean, these guys are going to put up crazy strikes. The numbers I think will be high at first, and I think that third or fourth round. This goes five rounds. You'll see the difference in Ferguson putting he'll output way more towards the end. Oh yeah, That's yeah, the I think so too. That kind of striking tank, you know. So we're taking I Ferguson, think that tank huh? Diminished. 
Yeah, I think that person. That's what I'd, I'd probably put that on a parlay. So that's what you know. That, that's what I'd probably do. Well, man, that was a pleasure. It felt good to get up all that off my chest after so long of waiting. <laughs> no, no, it's been the first card in a while, and uh, I definitely just want to uh, say thank you for you know giving me this time to definitely talk some UFC. I always uh, love talking MMA, and it really gives me a chance to talk to other people about it. And it's been so long since the card, you know. And uh, I want to shout out Michelle Stoll for for linking us up and really uh, shout out Michelle, going, she's the homie. Hey, it's my pleasure, yeah, though, and, uh, awesome. you know, it was, it was a pleasure to talk with you on the fights, and uh, I'd really love to run it back. We could do a recap um, after this weekend, if you want to get back on, we can recap, just kind of go over how the fights actually played out versus our picks, um, talk I'd about what's next for the fighters after their wins and losses and things like that. Um, you bring a lot to the um, table. Uh, you're very knowledgeable on the sport, so I'd love to do it again with you sometime. Hey, man, I'd love to. Anytime, you know, you got my number. I'm, I'm always available. And, hell, man, we got to watch these fights together sometime, you know, so we'll have to link up. And uh, anytime you need somebody, I'm always, I'm always here to get some, get some information out there.